coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Welcome to The Ron Show and back from, uh, uh, I guess, a, a mini vacation of sorts. A lot of us uh, took a little bit of last week off. I worked a couple days here and there and uh, took a few days off, but we are back and in full force. Over the weekend, I saw an article that uh, came in through an email I get every day from the Washington Post that spoke of a small-town Georgia preacher who fills his pews by leaving no one out. That's the headline. Uh, I didn't get around to reading to it. And then this morning, I awoke, and I'm scanning through uh, Twitter, as I'm known to do. I'm checking out uh, left-wing, right-wing, anything newsworthy. Uh, Eric Erickson uh, actually shared that very same article a bit dismissively, and he says, when you see mainstream national newspapers going to small-town America to profile small-town preacher, it's never because of orthodoxy. And my immediate thought was, this guy almost gets it. He almost gets it. He's like, he's, he's kind of circling the runway, but he's not going to land the plane because he doesn't get it. So I decided instead of just harping on how Eric Erickson doesn't get it, I'd reach out to this small-town preacher. And I do have uh, Grant on the phone. Grant Meyerholtz is uh, in Hartwell, Georgia, and he is the minister at Mount Hebron Baptist Church. Grant, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I'm going to share a little bit about what the article entails. It talks about how you are ministering a church that is a Baptist church, but is an all-welcoming sort of Baptist church. And it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, I had a local Baptist minister on from an all-encouraging, all-affirming church here in Atlanta that was dealing with, you know, homophobic graffiti and destruction of property. You you expect to find churches like that in a city like Atlanta, but not in Hartwell, Georgia. So how did Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia, arrive at being the open-door, all-welcoming, all-loved kind of Baptist church? Give you a little bit of history of the church. It was a uh... It was actually a church before Park County was even a county. Oh, wow. And uh, established dates in 1884. And um, it has a rich heritage of families. And But, you know, Mount Hebron was never one of the, or they didn't want to be the domineering church in the county, you know, didn't have to have the, you know, the best basketball teams or the biggest youth groups. They just... We're kind of stuck out in the middle of the country out there and kind of took care of everyone that was around them. And it really didn't matter to them uh, at Mount Hebron if it was white or black or, you know, or anything like that. And then the lake came later and, you know, and that started to bring in a lot of uh, uh, new residents for, for uh, Hartwell. And, um, you know, a lot of our lake uh, community is uh, – people that have moved in from other states and other cities. And, you know, and, and Hartwell's really a, a unique place. I mean, it's very welcoming. It's loving. I mean, sure, it, it's it's got some it's got some drawbacks like all small towns do. But, mm. um, you know, the best part about being in a small town is that, you know, everybody is in your business. And the worst part about being in a <laughs> A small town is everybody is in your business. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we actually live in a town where um, someone can be talking about you 
in a negative way, see you on the side of the road, help you change your tire, and then drive off and tell the guy beside him, you know, I really hate that guy. Uh. And, and so, you, you know, that's not to say we're perfect and we don't have our problems, but there is still a sense of community yeah. here. Yeah. And, um, and there will always be things that people don't understand, but for the church, Mount Hebron's always been very unique in its nature. And I was through pastoring in 2010. I was sick of the denominational stuff and, and everything like that. And, you know, every time you try to get a door open, somebody will close it on you. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, I stepped away from, uh, the, the church and from, from the ministry and, you know, and, and, I'm not going to lie. It was about, you know, uh, it was some of the best years of my life to not be a pastor, uh, of a denominational church with all the rules and the rigidness and some things that come with that. And I had a real bad accident, uh, in about 2011 that left me with some, uh, permanent, uh, disabilities. Okay. And so I had to navigate through that, and I still suffer from that to this day. And uh, it rocked on and still lived in my hometown, just going on as usual. And uh, a guy that I had met uh, in the town found out that I had been a pastor. They needed one and uh, invited me out to the church. I preached, and, um, you know, I've been there in a— very small, almost considered part-time capacity mm -hmm. for uh, coming up on three years now. And um, they're very loving and very kind. You know, that there were only 13 people when I, when I had originally got there. And mm -hmm. um, so, but, you know, out of 13 people, I started to find out that they had loved ones that, you know, might have a lifestyle that some people don't approve of, or, you know, they have this cousin, that's this, or this person that's married to this person, or yeah. every, every small town's got a, got a lady that's been married way too many times. And, <laughs> um, and so they looked at me and they said, you know, is it okay if we invite them here? And uh, I, I made the statement. I said, you know, if, if we have to judge one, then we have to judge all. Or we just don't judge at all. Mm. There, there, there's a passage in the Bible that speaks of that, if I if I recall correctly from my Sunday school days. Yeah, yeah, but it's used in you know, for sometimes it's used in a narrative that kind of fits other things, but it simply means what it means. I mean, yeah. people know that I'm a pastor, but God, that doesn't mean anything really in the eyes of God. I mean, he looks at us all as equal, you know, God doesn't wake up and, and it's like, wow, you know, Grant's awake, you know, he's my favorite. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, he loves us all. And if you are a Christian, then, then you have to accept the fact that he made us all, you know, if you are a Christian, then you, then you have to accept the scripture as a Christian that, before we were in the mother's womb, God knew us and that there's a verse in there to where it says he sewed us together. Mm. So if we believe that, then you have to believe that God knew the fabric he was using when he was sewing us. Mm. So we're not a shot to him. <laughs> <laughs> we just like to 
use control and fear tactics and scare tactics to keep people coming and keep people, you know, afraid and keep people this a lot of time. And that's what I'd seen in a denominational setting. And I just, I just didn't see the God who did that. And you definitely don't see it in like Jesus. So I just said, I made that statement. I said, if we're going to judge one, then we're going to judge all, or we're not going to judge at all. The story that came out in the Washington Post, written by Allison Miller, uh, which, by the way, we will share in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com, actually starts with the story of Terry Massey, whose family had been a participant uh, in church leadership for so many years, but actually felt like she was on the outside looking in, speaking to, uh, to what you were talking about. That's what really resonated with me. I am a 49-year-old, and uh, in, in, in all candor, I'm a 49-year-old uh, single, gay, atheist, but I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I actually married into a family who, the, my father-in-law, my former father-in-law now, was a, is a Pentecostal minister. And so as foreign as it felt for a lot of my friends when they found out I was going to start going when we'd go to visit his family, going to church on Sunday— it, it felt actually quite comforting to me to be welcome in a place like yeah. that. And, and so this story just struck a chord with me because in that church in Cedartown is a Terry Massey and her better half. In the church that I grew up in, our choir director, we all knew he was gay. And yet it was kind of the listening to the, listening to the, the, the sermon from the pulpit was one thing. And then leaving the facility knowing that Caleb was gay, it, 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 was, it was sort of, uh, I don't know, that, that was kind of quirky. But it, it, what you speak to, like everyone having someone in their family, every community having those individuals, just really struck a chord with me. This whole story just struck a chord with me. I think everybody's life changes when you have something you love more than yourself. Hmm. There's no way you and I would be having this conversation 15 years ago because, you know, you see things a certain way, you're taught things a certain way, and you do things a certain way. Right. And then God gives you these incredible things called kids. (laughs) And these kids have the ability to call bullcrap real quick. (laughs) I've learned more about Jesus through my kids than I have in any lecture, seminary, or sermon that I've ever heard. And I watch my children, how they treat everybody as their best friend, and they don't care who they love, and they don't care what color they are, and mm-hmm. they don't care. Mm-hmm. My wife is my wife is the real hero of all of this. It's not me, because she she was able, as, lot, as, as my daughter pointed out, she was able to see the prince through the beast <laughs> to kind of give a beauty and the beast fun there. But um, all that talk sometimes that my family would say, sometimes you got to love people, even if you disagree with them. Yeah. I thought they were telling that, that I need to do that with other people. I didn't realize they were doing that with me. <laughs> and so you come to find out that how would I want somebody to treat my kids? Mm-hmm. Am I one of these kind of parents if my kids decide to do something that I don't like? And am I the kind that says, well, they're dead to me or they're this or they're that? Am, am, am I that dad? Because I don't care how many times I've screwed up and messed up. You know, God has never said that to me. 
You know, he's never said, I'm done with you. You're dead to me. You know, and Jesus definitely didn't teach that. Mm. God is not the God of the second chance because with God, there are no such things as like chances. He just, if you mess up, you get up. Mm. And the coolest thing about God, if, if you want to accept this, and and I do in the New Testament, you know, we were taught that God is so all-knowing, and he is. And there's one thing that he decided to do within himself, and he decided to forget things. It says that our sins he puts in a sea of uh, forgetfulness. And how cool is that, man, that, that a God who knows everything chooses to forget things about people that he loves. And unfortunately, he loves everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm going to take a quick break, but I'm going to catch up on that spot. If you'll give me just a second, we're on with uh, Grant Meyerholtz. He is the lead pastor at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia. Very unique church. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio or wherever you podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to The Ron Show. We are on with lead pastor Grant Meyerholtz at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia. He and his church, his congregation, his family featured in a weekend piece written by Allison Miller in the Washington Post. We'll share it in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. Grant, we were just you were just talking about how uh, you know it's your belief. You know, God loves everybody. We seem to put a lot of these human shortcomings on God, as we were taught. You know, uh, vengeful anger, even sure. jealousy. You know, rage. These things. If if you know if if you choose to believe in something else or not to believe in that, that he 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 is emotionally enraged or things like that, and and. I, I've, I've, again, I, I found that sort of, you know, compelling to me. Uh, again, e- even as somebody who is, you know, not religious in any way, shape, form, or fashion, I just found that to be something sort of refreshing. But you get a lot of pushback from other f- Baptists in and around the region. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I, it's it's funny sometimes uh, to to to. Uh, dig through it and and really try to ask yourself, is it pushback or is it, um, you know, daggum, man, I I really wish I could say what I felt. (laughs) And, you know, and and I know there are some that don't share that sentiment because, you know, um, I believe there's the pastoral vocation and there's the pastoral ministry and they are two different things. Yes. What what I do is not for money. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I pastor a very old church. We don't have a lot of money. Um, we don't, you know, we're very modest people. Um, I have more doctor's appointments than I do church services. You know, I was in the doctor's office almost 91 times last year. Mm. And so I have my own struggles and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and there are even those people in my life who are like, well, you know, you must be doing something wrong look at your sicknesses, your disability, because, you know, if you were this, God would heal you. And, you know, that is a horrible thing to say to somebody. Right. Much less to say, you know, the color of your skin makes you different. So, you know, God doesn't see you like he sees me. Horrible. Mm-hmm. Just horrible. And um, so, you know, the... The real thing here is, is that if you choose to accept the fact that God loves everybody equally, now you got some backtracking you have to do. <laughs> yeah. And and so 
and then if you want to accept the the teachings of uh, Jesus Christ like I do, you know, he was inclusive. He sat at, at tables that people didn't think that he should sit at. He ate with people that they didn't think he should eat with. He drank with people that they said he shouldn't be drinking with. And, you know, the Pharisees would follow him around and, oh, my God, he raised the dead. You know, did they give him credit for that? No, they got mad because he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> which in like 2020, I would have understood that, but, (laughs) uh, but not now, you know, back then, you know, we should be rejoicing over the fact of what he did for this family, not the fact that he didn't obey their religion. Hmm. And I think that's where we can't separate sometimes is we can't separate Jesus from this thing we call church here. And church is not four walls with a steeple. Church is not, uh, is not anything. The church is broken people coming together um, with all of our faults and our failures, with all of our messed up lives, but even that, with even with all of our successes. And the church is 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 across the world. You know, just the people who go to Mount Hebron, you know, they go there because that's in their in their in their district or whatever, but that's not the, the uh, church. The church is whoever, you know, accepts this, 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 this Jesus that, that I have fallen in love with and that has helped change my life. And that's the uh, church. And in uh, Galatians, it makes it very plain that if anybody is in Christ uh, Jesus, then they're not Jew or Gentile. They're not bond nor free, mm. you know, uh, or male or female, but they are all one in Christ Jesus. So if that's true, then my God, what are we arguing about? Hmm. Just go to church on Sunday morning and, you know, enjoy your life. Enjoy what's happening out there. Get to know other people that may share different views of the world or whatever it is. And, just see, see, maybe see what you're missing. And so, I mean, some, some people are missing one of the greatest friends of their life, maybe because of, you know, separate sides of the aisle or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's where we are at Mount Hebron. You know, it's not a political thing. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a grab for more members. I mean, with, mm. with all my disabilities, I can barely maintain what I have. Uh, you know, so it's not about being, being a, a mega church or anything like that. I mean, that is, to be honest with you, that, that, that is, that's not even what we want. We just, we just want to love and be kind to the people who we live around. Mm-hmm. And if the neighbor beside us, uh, is a Muslim, you know, we want to be kind and generous to to them. And if they lost their home in a fire, we don't want to sit back and say, well, you know, God judges them because they don't worship like we do. No, we need to be the first people over there with clothes and food and, and a plan to help them because they're a part of our community. Again, we're talking with Grant Meyerholtz. He is the lead pastor at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia, featured in a Washington Post piece that speaks to his church filling pews by leaving no one out. Allison Miller wrote, in part, 
His inclusive approach is the reason Jake Duvall said he was in the front row last Sunday, as he is almost every Sunday. A combat veteran who twice deployed to Iraq and still grapples with PTSD, he wore jeans and a black t-shirt and heavy black boots. He carried a diaper-filled bag for his year-old son, Rowan. He remembers what Meyerholtz said when inviting him to Mount Hebron. Come as you are, not as you should be. I don't do well with crowds, explained Duvall, who is 38, but I really feel that my symptoms are tolerable when I go to that church. Miller continues, Well into its second century, Mount Hebron remains linked to the Baptist according to its name and the newspaper directory. But Meyerholtz shies away from denominational categories and considers his an independent congregation. He has not won over other Baptist leaders in the area. On the day Meyerholtz prayed at the Pride Festival, the Reverend Andy Buchanan of Liberty Baptist Church opened its doors and invited the community to pray for, quote, those who are engaged in this evil. Little Mount Hebron in Hartwell, Georgia is different by design. We'll talk more with Grant Meyerholtz as to why that is on The Ron Show when we return here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. We're on with Grant Meyerholtz. He is the lead pastor at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia, just up the road a piece we say here in the South. Uh, He and his church, his congregation, his family all featured in a story over the weekend written by Allison Miller in the Washington Post. And the headline will get your attention right away. The headline says, A small-town Georgia preacher fills pews by leaving no one out. So, uh, Grant, I want to ask you, I know you spoke earlier about you know not having a political ideology or anything like that, but more administering to the, the teachings of Jesus. Uh, again, from someone who's left of center, and even an atheist, it, I get more bothered, I get more perturbed by the fact that I believe that there are a lot of folks who profess to be Christians who don't seem to have paid any attention to what Jesus espoused on this earth. And yeah. I, 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 in the article, I'm not going to give away the whole article, but uh, you can read it uh, again in today's show notes at ronshowetl.com. Uh, it speaks to the fact that you gave prayer at a Hartwell Pride Festival and caught some flack from that, and maybe even from within your church. But can you speak to how your participation in something like that actually jibes with what Jesus taught sure. well, on this earth? Well, well, first of all, you know, kudos to to our church. I got no pushback from that from the members of 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 Mount Hebron, none. And any pushback that I did get was from some sly remarks from maybe other pastors or, mm. you know, just other church folk, to, you know, that go to other churches. You know, the yeah. rumor mill here has about a 30 to 45 day cycle. <laughs> so so by the time it came to me, you know, it's just old news. And it, you know, it just is what it is. But here's how it happened. Um, they wanted a convocation. They wanted a prayer uh, at the um, at the Hartwell Pride. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, I was asked if I would go do that. I think there had been some more who were asked and they had turned it down. And um, so I was asked. Um, I don't think I was the first one, but it was kind of like that thing like, oh, my God, we should just came to you and asked you first. Mm. And so um, I immediately said yes. And there was one that wanted to talk to me before I came. And then that was fine. And, and uh, so we chit-chatted and had a great talk. I did what 
I felt like I wanted to. I did not listen to this person as if they were just a random person. I listened to to her talk to me as if she was my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how would I respond to her if this was my daughter talking to me? Mm -hmm. And my heart broke when I found out that there are family members who will not speak to her, that there are uh, there are people that she loves in her life that just refuse to to talk to her or to or, or won't come to holidays visits if if she's going to be there and i lost it I, I i i cried over the phone i couldn't believe what i'm hearing because I, I couldn't imagine my daughter feeling that stranded or or just knowing what that felt like yeah and i thought for a minute my god you know for the better part of my life i have been a douchebag and, and i and i just said dear god well I said, listen, I, I want to come, unfortunately, and this was the truth, and, and they all know it. My son's birthday was that same day uh, he was turning 18, and we, we had this huge birthday party planned for him, and it started at 1. I said, I want to come spend the whole day with you, but I, I can come. I can pray, but don't think I'm leaving because I'm upset. My son has a birthday party, and I really want to be there for my son's birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did. We just went. We prayed, and it was a ten-minute prayer, and uh, you know, nothing extravagant. It was just the fact, you know, man. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes not saying nothing is the best thing you can do. Sometimes just showing up, being there for somebody, and be like, "Hey, you know, you're part of my community. You're part of my town. Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm with you. I got you back. Don't really care, you know." where you go to church, what you believe or anything else. We live in the same town together. So let's, let's be cool at Walmart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't laugh dismissively either. I grew up in a small town outside Augusta, Georgia growing up. And, and again, my former in-laws family, they all live, you know, in Northwest Georgia in a small town, Marjorie Taylor Greene territory. And yet she does not represent them with her antics and her actions and her takes. It's more what I know anecdotally from having spent time with them and having gone to church services with, you know, an entire congregation who knew exactly what my uh, preference was when it comes to who I loved, and many of whom even knew that I wasn't religious, but still just a welcoming, affirming, hug-happy people. And that's the uh, the thing that I think gets lost in the message. I was going to ask you, it, it seems as if with most churches in the United States in particular, I would say uh, the evangelical Protestant especially in the South, it seems as if division is good for some of these churches and even extends to their politics, or maybe the politics has extended to the church. Which way do you think that has gone? I think the day that Jesus ascended into the heavens, that uh, Peter didn't really like Matthew and none of them really liked Paul. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think it kind of became, if you read the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, it was, you know, he went to one town and preached Jesus and they all accepted and they were all free. Mm -hmm. And then the next time he rolls back through, even the 40 and the 50 year old men, they're out there limping. And he's like, what's wrong with y'all? And they're like, well, you know, uh, this guy came through and said, if we really wanted to be a uh, Christian, we had to circumcise ourselves. And, you know, that's when I would just become a Buddhist and 
Yeah, I ain't circumcising myself at 50 years old. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and but but yeah. here's what Paul said. Paul Paul said, "Who has bewitched you?" He said, "Y'all are in freedom, and now you're putting yourself back into bondage." Because the whole point was when Jesus came was not to make them under the law that they had grown up under. It was to free them. And here it is, and this is where I think churches miss it and a lot of Christians miss it. Jesus gave two simple commandments, just two. He said, I just want you to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then he said, and the second one will be the proof if you're actually doing the first one. I want you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Mm. And he said, these are the two greatest commandments you'll ever hear this is all i want you to do this is all you have to do and if you'll do this you will have fulfilled the law if you'll just love god and love your neighbor like you love yourself we won't have a problem all through the new testament it was we've known we know we've moved from death to life if we just love each other Mm. you know because god is love you know anyone that says they love God, but they hate their brother, they don't really love God. Hmm. And so, you know, and, and we like, you know, church people, we like a lot of cliches. Well, I hate the sin, but not the sinner. Yeah. Bull crap. You know, you know, we all, like, all of a sudden, we don't sin. We all have something. We all do something. We all think something. And, mm-hmm. you know, so what? You know, we all do. That is no reason to cause a division and competition and all this other stuff. Churches are are the most competitive on the block. Yeah. There's a scripture verse where Jesus prayed in the garden, and the the only prayer he ever prayed that never got answered was this. He said, Lord, may they be as one as we are. And we're not. You're right. You're right. We're we're we're, and 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 I and I say that, you know, from from a familial and a community. Uh, uh, even a national standpoint, that's the thing that frustrates me the most. Again, coming from a liberal left of center background, growing up in a Southern Baptist church, who even even despite the fact that you know I don't I don't conceive of myself as being religious now, I grew up in the environment. I, I learned the lessons. I remember the lessons fairly well, and even got reminded plenty of times when I'd go to church on Sunday with my uh, my ex husband's family. The thing that upsets me the most, the thing that really gets my blood boiling, it really angers me that I th- I see a lot of well-intentioned people who are being purposely misled, sometimes through the pulpit even, for political, ideological reasons that aren't even about uniting this country or uniting that church or uniting families or uniting communities. And it really angers me. Having attended churches in a community well within Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, I hate to pick on her, but she's just right there, and that's where my my in-law's family is. I know the people of her district, and they're God-fearing, loving people. She does not represent them, and yet they are going to vote for her because they believe that that's how they're supposed to vote. Again, I'm with Grant Meyerholtz. He is the lead pastor at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia. And I I don't mean to to continue to try and drive you into a political realm. I just wanted you to understand that that really angers me. It really gets my blood boiling when I see so many well-intentioned people 
being willfully misled using their faith. To me, it's it's not quite as bad, but it's almost as bad as learning uh, through history that the Bible was used to keep the enslaved enslaved during and before the Civil War in these United States. Unfortunately, you can take Scripture and you can kind of twist it and make it anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Rich Mullins, is, he's the guy that wrote, it's like Awesome God. And, uh, he is one of the ones that really started the movement that I adhere to called the Ragamuffin Movement, him and uh, Brendan Manning. Here's what he said, and, and, and this, this really just ticks off the good theologians. Mm. He says, when it comes to the scripture, he said, only God knows and the rest of us are just guessing. Mm. He's right. Now, when it comes to Jesus and the New Testament, it's very simple. Love and don't judge. Just live to serve your neighbor, your community, the people around you. Jesus's first sermon, I mean, you know, if you grew up in the church like I did, you know, that first sermon, that's your trial sermon, man. This is one that they're going to vote on, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Jesus had that, you know, it was called the Sermon on the Mount. Right. If you open up Matthew, it's, it was a big sermon too. He was, he was geared up for this one. And he spent more time talking about how to treat one another than he did anybody else. Mm. Don't lie to them. If they need your coat, give them your tunic as well. If they walk a mile with you, go two with them, you know, and that's what it was. I'm sure people will disagree with me on this what it really is in a nutshell you you know the bible compares us to soldiers but it even says this it says soldiers do not entangle themselves with the affairs of this world right you are obviously highly informed about politics i'm not as informed so i do yield to people who are informed and i do listen but at the end i still have to i cast votes and 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 i vote but Normally, I, I have to vote on what I feel and what I think is right. You know, case in point, and I don't live in the city here, but, you know, our town, again, which I love, you know, they had this big thing, you know, we couldn't sell beer on Sundays. Mm. And I thought, well, that's very inconvenient for most of the church members around here. But, uh, <laughs> and, you know, it was this whole thing, you know, it, again, if you allow this to happen, boy, God's disappointed in you. And I'm thinking, you know, we're still talking about the guy that showed up at a wedding and when they ran out of wine, he made more. That's right. For me, it was more when someone was sharing that with me, they're like, we need you on board with this. We need to shut this down. And I'm like, why? I'm like, where does it stop? If you can't. Okay. So we're going to tell this man who owns a convenience store, you can't sell beer on Sunday. So Monday, no potato chips. Mm. Tuesday, no Reese cups. And I said, just stay out of it. Who cares? Yeah. If they want to sell beer on Sunday, you know, that's what makes this country great. Go do it. But see, that's yeah. the thing. There, there's this application of, here's my beliefs. I want everyone else to adhere to that as well. And I mean, that's, again, a, a political function. It extends to uh, uh, bodily autonomy or sexual preference uh, even. It's it's just, it, it, and it's become big business to utilize the evangelical movement for political gain. Well, at the end of the day, unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, it just boils down to votes. Right. And in my heart, it just boils down to souls. Mm. So if you believe in God like I do, 
I believe in, I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a kingdom up there. I believe there's a lot of people that's going to be there. Some people didn't think they had a, a, a chance to get there. And there's going to be a lot of people who think they're going there mm. that ain't going there. Can I, I can I be honest? That's the one thing I like as an that's the one thing I would like to you know put a codicil in. Like I'm an atheist, but I really want this heaven hell thing to pan out so I can look at the faces of those who thought they were going one way, <laughs> as they find out they're not. Anyway, I I, I apologize. <laughs> well, I, and, and and I have a lot of atheist friends, and I'm amazed at how much uh, how much my atheist friends know about God. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I, I think you believe any more than you think you do. You're teaching me things I didn't know. Or just, just having a moral code. I mean, I don't think that you have to be religious to have a moral code, you know? Well, being, being good to one another is— I think, That's where I think Brendan Manning and Rich Mullins was revolutionary, Ron. It's, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. You know, we're not supposed to have 100 churches in one county, and they all hate each other. Right. You know, we're not supposed to be segregated on Sundays and— to be quite honest with you, it, there's no one in the Bible that says that we have to meet at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. What Jesus came here to do was real simple. He wanted to love you. That's it. And he just wanted you to know that you are not forgotten and that he does love you. And you can show that by loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And if you want the proof, just love your neighbor like you love yourself. And again, that's not a moral code. It's not a religious thing. It's a good foundation just to live your life by. Yeah, absolutely. All right, quick break. We'll wrap up our conversation with Pastor Grant Meyerholtz from Mount Hebron Baptist Church in rural Hartwell, Georgia, with that unique y'all means all philosophy after the break. Final segment for The Ron Show was over the weekend. The Washington Post shared a story Allison Miller wrote chronicling the Mount Hebron Baptist Church and its pastor, Grant Meyerholtz philosophy to fill the pews by not leaving anyone out. As a Baptist pastor, Grant does the unusual. He gave a convocation at a Hartwell Pride Festival gathering in April. He has a congregation with members of color. He has the LGBTQ plus in his rural church as well. And to hear him tell it, that's exactly what Jesus wanted a church to look like. But I just don't think that when Jesus came here that he said, you know what we need? We need great, big churches in every town. (laughs) You know, I I just don't think that's what he came here for. I think he said, you know what we need? We need for the church to not be in a permanent location. It needs to be on the move. It needs Mm. to be mobile. It Mm. needs to be at Walmart. It needs to be changing tires. It needs to be hugging necks. Mm -hmm. It needs to be loving people who may not look like you, think like you, talk like you, or even worship like you. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just had a discussion with a friend of mine and he he doesn't believe in God. And I, I don't, I mean, and that's him, you know, we're still, we're still buddies, been buddies for years. Right. The problem is, is to me is this, if you want to worship something, you know, and, and it's not in a compound with a bunch of AR-15s, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you want to worship something and it betters you and it betters the community around you, then you should have the right to do that without anybody saying nothing to you. And unfortunately, Christians, well, not uh, Christians, because Christians are different than a lot of church people. Mm-hmm. Church will tell you, well, you know, you're a woman, so you can't be a deacon or, or you're a man. Well, you've been uh, 
divorced, you can't be a pastor, you can't be a deacon, you know, or you're this, you can't be this. We tell people that there is an all loving God that accepts you just as you are. <laughs> but yep. if you've been divorced, yep. you know, and I don't know how hard it is to be a deacon, but you know, I say that with sarcasm. It's not if you can carry a metal plate, collect some dollars, and set it back down on the table. You are qualified. You, you know, you welcome, brother. Yeah. You know, but like our church, you know, we're one of the, we're not the first church, but definitely in in our like area, you know, we now have a female deacon. You know, we have a a young man who is, uh, uh, I, you know, he's. Uh, He's black, mm. and he got a hundred percent of the vote to to be a deacon at our church. Nice. So Mount Hebron is a little different, but yeah. you know, and, and we're not. You know, unfortunately, you know, all the problems in the world are solved in barber shops. But the problem is, is you know, we just don't. <sighs> unless if the house of cards fall, you know, you know churches take up money they send a portion of it up line somewhere we don't really know where it goes but you know i know this you know most of the churches around here are broke and our denominations are not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it moves on up the line and pastors are generally decent people because they get into the ministry because something changed in their life and they want to affect change in somebody else's. And then what ends up happening is they go and they learn all this stuff from whatever Bible college they go to. And really they're not learning a lot about the Bible. They're just learning how to govern under that denominational rule. Right. And then they become job scared because, you know, they don't want to say nothing wrong and get fired. Yep. And me and my ministry, you know, fire, I could care less. You know, if you don't like me, I don't really care. You know, I want you to like me. I wish you would. But, you know, if I get fired because I let, uh, I let a, uh, a black kid come to church, or, you know, or, uh, you know, people of another faith comes to the church or I go do a marriage for, the Baptist guy that wants to marry the Catholic girl, which is a problem around here. Sometimes <laughs> I've heard, you know, or I got in deep water because I did a wedding for an interracial couple, which i never understood because again, if you are a Christian, then you have to believe we came from three brothers that right. got off the ark. Right. So I'm like an interracial couple. Really? She's marrying an alien. Cool. <laughs> you know, from Mars, this is great. So be my first one. I, if I get fired because of that, I don't, I don't really care because I don't stand in front of them when it's all said and done. And one of these days, I'm going to look at that guy that I love more than anything. And I hope he looks back at me and, and I hope he doesn't say, you know, wow, man, without your big church, <laughs> we wouldn't have been anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to say that to me. You know, I think he's going to look at me and, and I sure hope he does. And he's going to say, you know, you did what I asked. You love the least of these. You love those that couldn't find it in them to love themselves. Sometimes you spoke for people that couldn't speak for themselves. You stood for people that were afraid to stand. I was in jail and you visited me. I was, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. That's where I hang my hat. And that's 
how I'm going to go to my grave. Can't think of a better way to punctuate the conversation. Grant Meyerholtz, lead pastor at Mount Hebron Baptist Church in Hartwell, Georgia. Thanks for giving me some time. I appreciate you for being on The Ron Show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. We'll have that Washington Post article via msn.com and today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. See you next time. 